Welcome to episode 10 of the Pokemon Gold podcast. My name is James Carew, co-editor of Pogba Gold website and magazine, and you're listening to the 10th edition of the podcast accompanying the release of Issue 6. We explore football culture from Ireland and around the world, and we are delighted to say we are now stocked in Eason's and Tuttle's outlets throughout Ireland, over 60 locations where you can pick up the issue in person for a limited time. If you like what you hear on the pod and see on our website, Support independent publishing and journalism by grabbing your copy of Ireland's only football magazine. You can also order online at pogmagold.bigcartel.com and take a look at our website, pogmagold.com, for features on whether Ireland could or should host the World Cup in 2030. And with Irish football back, we preview the new League of Ireland season. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Gavin White about Shelburne FC, one of Ireland's most famous football clubs, who've endured highs and lows in recent years and who are slated to leave their Tolka Park home to become co-tenants in a revamped Daly Mount Park. Gavin also happens to be one half of Dublin electronic music group White Collar Boy, who contributed the brilliant track that you can hear on all of our podcasts. But first I'm joined once again by my co-host Joe Phelan, a writer and editor based in London, and a good judge of where to find the best Guinness in the UK capital when we're allowed out again. Welcome back, Joe. Yeah, hi, how you doing? And also, I'd like to add, I have been researching that a lot lately. I've found five different places now that I want to try, and somewhere called the the Old Shillelagh <laughs> up in Stoke Newington, which I think you'll like. Sounds great. To stick with the music team, you previously told us, Joe, of buying the St Albans shirt because they were sponsored by one of your favourite bands. Do you have any other music football crossover stories for this week? Well, something that I suppose is tangentially associated with music, but it's also really just a thinly veiled gripe, is that at the start of the season, uh, at the start of this particular season, I didn't anticipate how many times I'd be hearing the intro to Sandstorm by Darude. And um, this song is so basic and overplayed that it's essentially little, little more than an internet meme now, but... For some reason, Spurs decided it would be a good idea to blast it out after every home goal. And given that this weekend pass that we're recording this, Spurs just hit their 100th goal of the season. That's a stat that sounds far more impressive than it actually is due to the calibre of teams faced in the early stages of the Europa League. But that means I've heard the start of Sandstorm about 75 times this season. (laughs) It's so much so that I actually find myself humming it a lot during the day now. And I knew football would be different with no fans in the stadium, but I didn't anticipate that I would have my brain invaded by a Finnish dance song from the late 90s. And honestly, I I don't think any football fans were quite ready for that. It's that paradox of something so good as a goal going in with something so annoying. I know. (laughs) 
I was born into a Shelburne family, first of all. Oh, what a goal! What a fabulous goal! It was a dream night for the Irish champions. The Champions League tie against one of the top European sides. Reigning Irish champion Shelburne and their fans pay tribute to the club's late owner and chief executive, Ollie Byrne. If you're going to take the gamble and it doesn't work, you stand a very good chance that you will be out of existence. Then, catastrophe. Relegated to the first division. The FBI today welcome plans by Dublin City Council to redevelop Dalyman Park. Shelburne are promoted back to where they belong, the Premier Division. How happy do you think Shells would be to ground share with balls over Dalyman? I don't know how happy Shelburne would be. Celebrating 125 years. And so today's guest is Gavin White, who's the Communications Director for Shelburne and is the author of our article from Issue 5, Red State, the story of Shelburne's potential departure from their home to share a redeveloped Daily Mount Park. Welcome to the Pogba Gold podcast, Gavin. Thanks for, for having us, James and, and Joe. Um, a long time coming. We start off each pod by asking our guests just what got them interested in football in the first place and for you, where the first connection with Shells came from? Oof, it's a big question. Um, my first kind of uh, involvement or, or kind of when I was growing up, especially when, when you think about the many, many memories that you have throughout watching football, the biggest ones, I suppose, was actually not too far from here. I'm, I'm currently in North Dublin. biggest one what I remember was walking up Dorset Street in the north kind of inner city area of Dublin and um, going to the FEI Cup final in 1996 um, which Shells won at Dalymount Park against uh, against St. Pat's it was the, the replay at the first leg the first leg was also famous for a, a Tony Sheridan goal but just the, the feeling of excitement and the, the feeling of um, well what's this big occasion I'm going to and there's so much colour there's so much noise and you know you, you immediately kind of fall in love with this thing and this thing is a red shirt and you know um, so that answers kind of both questions in terms of the involvement with Shelburne because it was, it was my granddad and my father who, who, who brought me to Shells in the first place and it stuck ever since and it's 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 you know it's gone through different variations of um, involvement um up to a very very involved stage at this stage but you know i suppose every, every kid has that first moment when they walk into a stadium or they walk into a ground and they, they experience the first moment of just falling in love with the game um and that's what it's always been it's just been i've always been a lover of the game whether it be in in, in italy or in england or in brazil argentina and especially at home as well and seeing the joy that i can bring many many people um including myself how did you get involved from the communications director uh, aspect with Shelves? Yeah, it started very simply. Um, more so kind of just um, helping out with, with kind of social media and stuff a few years ago. Um, one, one of our, our board directors uh, who, who I sit on the board with, Liam, Liam Ward, kind of, I, yeah, as, as you do with a club, um, you know a lot of people and, you know, Liam had asked me to kind of get involved a little bit and, Oh yeah, started and it was one of those things where you start off with something small and all of a sudden you're you know you're on the board and you're kind of um involved in the decision making process, which is you know a great, great responsibility, but also something that's incredibly exciting because you get to um help out in the in the future direction of 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 your your club, um a club that has one hundred twenty six years of history and has so much potential for the next one hundred twenty six years, um and then you also just kind of. 
you know you you, you you develop an amazing amount of relationships within that club as well um and within the city which which is the, probably the best part um but yeah like i i i've worked in news and in in pr for the kind of last last while um and i've i'm sure we'll, we'll get on to it I've, I've worked in music as well so there's always been the kind of media element and you know it's essentially how these clubs work is you know it's it, a lot of clubs are run by volunteers and you know it's run by talented volunteers and i'm just offering my my, my talents and services to the club um which is a lot of time but definitely worth it most of the time <laughs> a labor of love just to touch on the music we said you're one half of white collar boy the other half is a bose fan from what i understand which is appropriate for what we'll go on to talk about but um i know that you're good friends with dave balf the artist who's called for those i love is currently making huge waves in music he's been on jules holland recently but he he has a shelburne flag on his mic stand and then Stewie Byrne, former Shelburne midfield player, is now he's releasing music. His most recent uh, single is is called "The Game We All Love" about football. What's it about Shelburne and music? It's actually way more than that, believe it or not. It, it, so if you go back, there's 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 somebody. So if you go back to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ollie Bourne. Yeah. Yeah, Ollie's you know infamous character around the game, around the country, uh, for numerous reasons before he died in 2006. But uh, Ollie was you know was Phil Linnett's uh, first manager in in Skid Row, um, and was involved in music promotion and and music nights. And would have been very, very friendly with a bloke called Terry O'Neill, who was my, my predecessor, essentially, um, one of my predecessors. Um, and he was the publicist for uh, The Pokes. Wow, so okay. it, it goes back a kind of a, a good bit. Um, and I, I actually heard a, f- a good story recently. There, there's a closing song in Talca Park uh, called Red Sails in the Sunset, um, which is a beautiful song. And, and the reason why it's beautiful is because it, it suits... Um, if you win and if you lose equally well bizarrely you know um, you can look it up I'm not going to sing it but uh, I was told recently the reason why they picked that was because it was also the song that they cleared nightclubs out with so it was kind of like a throwback to Ollie and, and uh, Terry's days in, in the nightclub business and, and the music business um, but then if you come back to, to these days in the last kind of while obviously myself um, and then there's another band called Hysterio who are an amazing uh, group um, from, from Dublin Connor Murphy's one of the main blokes in that and, and they were kind of they were, they they released their first single um or the first album on Soma Records, which is the same record label that released Daft Punk's first song, uh first single, which which is a great feat and Soma Records are amazing and his stereo stuff is unbelievable. And then you you go up to like the Pillow Queens, Pillow Queens who just signed to Sub Pop um and i've had amazing success uh, pam is 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 uh, one of the hardcore fans in talker park along with dave um and along with james from murder capital as well james is a good, a good fan of shells has been to many games um but that the, the group of pillow queens murder capital dave uh for those i love um and myself that all it's it's great to talk about it, you know. It's it's great to to know that it's there because it's such a major part of the the fan culture, which is the reason why the club exists, you know. And it's 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 where we get our, our identity, um. But in reality, it's it's quite a sad story because you know at the heart of it, it's the the person that brought all of those um friends together was a very good friend of mine and and days and Pam's and James's and everyone's uh, uh and Robbie from Burnt Out as well, um. 
that's another band actually burnt out if you've if you've ever never listened to burnt out they're unbelievable um but paul paul corn was was the the link between all of those um and continues to be yeah um, but paul sadly died in 2018 um and you know it's it's part of the, the reason why I, i'm so involved as well the club these days is you know you're trying to um bring out the division of the club that we had you know going to um going to away trips and going to Talker Park every week um because we are, we are quite romantic at it <laughs> and yeah. but it's great to see the the success that uh Pam and James and um that Dave and Rob, Robbie are getting now because it's they're they're so talented it's, it's mad um but it's, it's definitely unique and it's definitely getting picked up on a little bit now there's a couple of pieces coming out and the, the videos as well that, that that he's done is is has been superb yeah, the music, Dave in particular, that real kind of raw emotion that he puts into his music. But the fact that Shelburne's what ties a lot of this together, he's not afraid to display Shelburne flag uh, in his gigs on live television. Like, not so long ago, like, we all know League of Ireland had, or certainly in the past, image problems that you didn't want to be associated with it. And that is changing with the kind of... Th- aspirations you have the atmosphere you're creating at shells what's happened at bows as well would you say definitely yeah i mean look it's like it's 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 totally not organic because you know the flag you're talking about there was paul's flag the killock red's flag so we brought that everywhere um and balfi brings that everywhere that's just it's it's it, he, he's not doing it to improve the, the image of the league or he's doing it because it, it's it's what him, we did yeah. and it's what we do um so you know it, it's 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 it, but having said that, people who are into the league, um, you know, are very genuine in in what they do because you know they they genuinely love their clubs and it's you you have to have that genuine love for it, um, and that's what it is. It's 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 people at the heart of it. Now it is starting to pick up, you know, um, it, it in terms of the marketing um around the clubs. Even today, I saw at the league launch there was a really good video from SSC Tristy who are the who are the principal sponsor for the men's and the women's leagues. And it's the first time I've seen in actually probably the first time I've seen it where there's a really well produced video from not the clubs but from the the title sponsor um, and from the FEI like really high quality Sky Sports level kind of stuff you know and that's I know that sounds so simple but it's 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 we're at the we're at the the cusp of something really exciting I think um and you know it's interesting because all the clubs are quite different you know in Dundalk and, and Rovers you know they're completely full time with with full time members of staff. Like the things we could do, um, if we if if I was full time, you know, like Dan, uh, friend of mine, Dan Lambert and Bows, uh, you know, I've known Dan years. Like he's recently gone full time within Bows, and you can see that the the market difference in that, um, it really helps out. And, uh, the more that happens, the more we're able to bring out the image of what is really, really what the league is about. Um, which is all that marketing. And like you'll you'll see more organic things like that, you know, with 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 the musical references and whatever each individual club's unique identity is, you know, um for us it happens to be part of part of it is is, is the music and the and the artistic side of it. Um and we continue to grow that and I'm sure within Rovers or Bows or whatever uh, the clubs are in Sligo and Cork Cork are really good at it as well. Um that's when you start to see um the kind of Im- imagery. Joe, I know you've said before about you're a Spurs fan, but you're not changing football or particularly directing the club in any meaningful way. So when you hear people like Gavin talking about how involved he is and uh, what is your impression 
Well, the, the thing that I, I think I used this same reference point before, but it's uh, like my friend is a big Bristol Rovers fan, and it just sounds like when you support a, a club that has more. It seems a bit more grassroots. It's a bit more focused towards its fans. It's not about making billions of pounds. It's not about getting all these massive sponsorship deals. It's not about playing Sandstorm Darude at full volume when you score a goal. It just seems like um, the kind of environment that I, I wish I was part of. I think if I was to choose a football club again, if I, if I wasn't already dedicating my, my free time to Tottenham, I would probably support a more localised team so I'd maybe follow Leighton Orient or something like that it just it seems more like the spirit of football that that, that was around more in the 90s like you were you you were a bit more a bit closer to the players you felt like you could touch them they weren't these the, these like immortal creatures that would just happen to be on the TV are a bit like superheroes now. In League of Ireland circles, it's not about those kind of things. It's just about survival and and to to survive and to flourish. You you have to be authentic. You have to appeal to your base. Would you say, Gavin? I think I think there's room for both. You know, I, like I can't, I'd, I'd I'd watch a lot of football across the world, and and at the end of the day, I I think what it boils down to is. You know, if if you're a, a young kid, boy or girl, and you and, and you're watching whether it be a, a team in the stadium or a team in a local park, and you just fall in love with something, it's like it's like falling in love with your partner. It's you know you, you can't explain it, but sometimes there's you know more organic kind of connections. Like for me, going up Dorset Street to go see a cup final with my granddad, my dad, my mom, you know, um, or sometimes it can be just. Like I remember watching in two thousand and one Roma and fo- football Italia and Roma won this in two thousand and one and I just remember thinking this is amazing because you had all this passion and you know Totti being stripped at half time or or sorry at the halfway line um about three minutes before and I just thought this was the most exciting thing ever and you just fall for it could be you know if you're watching. Uh, Sky Sports and and Spurs, you know, bail does something amazing, and that happens to you the moment that you you fall for a club. It's 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 it, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no, I don't I don't really like this debate of kind of, you know, oh it's us against them or you can't you know, at the, at the end of the day you you will see a, a drop off now, of teams uh of of, of people following uh the kind of Premier League things and and that's only because it it's you allude to it there. It's it's definitely getting more stratospheric. It's definitely getting more kind of alienating because at the end of the day, these clubs like Liverpool and Spurs and Arsenal, United are, they're on stock exchanges. They're on you know uh, major major TV productions. So it, it does feel that little bit further away. And I went to Anfield in January last year. It's actually the last game where they had a full crowd against Sheffield United, and it felt like a film set. And that was fine, you know. But it, and and some people are into that, but. People are into whatever they're into, you know. I, I, I think I think the wrong pursuit is is to kind of force down people's necks of, you know, go for your community. There's room for both. If you listen to like you know Football Weekly and the Guardian, uh, Max Rushton, who's a sports fan, he supports Lane Orange as well. Or sorry, Cambridge United, Cambridge United. Um, it's 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 kind of part and parcel. Um, of of the game, now some people don't have time to support you know different kind of entities or whatever, but like. Uh, you know, it, it, it it's it's a different experience, uh, and and it's kind of hard for me to say now because I'm so involved in one club, um, and like the the joy you get from that, like when we got promoted in twenty nineteen, it was unbelievable. It was nothing like I've ever experienced before, um, so but then you compare that to Ireland in the two thousand two World Cup, and that was that that holds a special place in my heart. 
you know, um, because it was a very young kid falling in love with football on the grander scale and you have that emotional connection with your country. Um, but then having said that, when I watched Liverpool win, win the Champions League, I thought that was great and I enjoyed it. That's fine, you know. There's room for all of it. You, you mentioned in your piece and you mentioned Ollie Byrne, who was this larger-than-life figure and... Uh, Shelburne has sometimes been described as Ireland's leads in that they kind of were chasing the Champions League dream and then it crumbled a little bit. For the uninitiated, could you describe the highs and lows of uh, Shelburne when they were on the cusp of that Champions League playoff with Deportivo and what's happened them um, in your time? Oh, where do we start? What I will say is there's an amazing, amazing podcast um, and audio doc, uh, audio documentary by Owen Brennan and Shane Dawson um, that was done for News Talk. Um, on, it's called uh, Hate It or Adored, Never Ignored, um, Ollie Bourne, um, and it's the story of Ollie, and it's it's unbelievable. Um, uh, if if people are, are, are looking to find it um, or struggling to find it just give me a DM on Twitter I'll, I'll point you in the right direction um, and it tells the story brilliantly um, but briefly um, Ali had taken over the club in the 90s we got success in 96-97 won his double in 2000 then he, he followed the dream of the Champions League got very 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 close um, got to the playoff round drew the first leg Neil all in Lansdowne Road sold out Lansdowne Road which is pretty cool um, and then went to La Coruña and we got to the 70th minute before conceding and then uh, you know we lost it but it was you know 20 minutes 20 odd minutes away from the Champions League group stages which was unbelievable um, but it, it came at a cost um, that cost uh, was also partly part of the we built a part new stands uh, in Talca Park as well and that all just led to death as we chased that kind of dream. And 2006, we are, uh, we won the league in 2006, but we also got relegated in the same season for financial issues. Um, so, uh, you know, we had this mad situation where we're celebrating the league, but also we didn't know whether we were going to exist. We did manage to survive. Um, Ollie died then, and the death kind of died uh, with him, you know. Um, it's only in the last kind of three, four years where we've totally... Um, Got rid of that debt, and we're operating in in, in really sound financial health. Um, a couple of new investors, and things are starting to look up again. Um, and 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 that's also been, you know, we're also we're obviously trying to recreate the kind of success of all, but re- in reality, we're 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 building towards something new. Um, and that that's you know total gender parity in terms of our, our, our women's national league team and our men's force team. Um, a brand new coaching structure for our academy, um, which is starting to bear fruits now a little bit, you know. So we've got a, f- a, f- a full academy out in the AUL complex in Dublin with four hundred kids, boys and girls, totally aligned, total opportunities for coaching on either side of it. Um, we've got you know young manager Neil Morris on the men's side, and we've got Noel King, who's you know super well known uh, as as former Ireland manager for men's and women's team, um. So you know we we treat both really seriously, and and this year could be good, um. And we're hoping for the next five, ten years that um, that the work that we put in the last three years will start to, to bear fruits. Shelburne's a club close to our hearts. Uh, our brother Shane was with them. He was a reserve in the, when Dermot Keeley was in charge. Ah, Dermot. So we barely made substitutions because so, the team was winning all before them. So we'd often go up to when Shane might make the bench. But it's very hard to for a young lad to break into a team that was winning all before them. But I, I went, I was at that Hadjuk split 
game uh, in Tolka. Dave Rogers, unbelievable goal. And I travelled to Croatia that summer. We went to Split. And if you've ever been to Split, the team crest is all over the city. And we, we stayed in a... It was a hostel, but it was a guy a, ma- a guy's attic. And he picked us up from the train station and we said we were from Ireland. And he, he was like, oh, Shelburne. He knew who Shelburne were because they'd knocked him out that summer. They were like heady days for, for the club. At the time the piece was written for issue five, it was, you, you felt that if you got promoted from division one, it would be a huge boon for the club. And then, I don't think it happened that season, but it, it, it did happen. What did promotion do? And obviously the relegation playoff now, you're back in division one, but what did promotion do for the club that you're rebuilding? Well, it's complicated because the pandemic hit you know, um, at the start of the season, when we um had got promoted and we were back in 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 the top flight, you know, we had sold out both games at, that we had um at home to Dundalk. We beat Pats in the derby, and you know, it was places of rocking. The vibe was amazing. It was it was it was really really great. Um, and even then, when the season came back and it was behind closed doors, it was it was okay. We we're doing doing well enough. Couple of moments, then we had a good run, and then this this weird sequence of events happened towards the last three weeks of the season, where we didn't have any games to play. But Finn Harps had accumulated all these games in hand within like two weeks, and we just saw them win bizarrely every single game, which is really unusual. Then we ended up in the playoff, and and you know, uh, it just momentum was was killer. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to say what promotion did because ultimately you know we're we're back at square one. Um, but what I will say is that it's funny because we're looking at the squad this year and the squad's better. Um, it's 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 really good and I I think there's still a natural progression in terms of the player recruitment and and the younger players that are kind of developing now. Um, so I I I'd look at it more so in terms of just the the last two three years. Um, the coaches that we've brought have brought in. Um, so we have a new technical director in, in Alan Caffrey, who was previously head of youth development and the academy at St Kevin's. Um, we have Damien Duffin as the under seventeen's manager. We have Alan Reynolds as the assistant coach to Ian Morris now. Um, so the it's it's more so just kind of that gradual process of getting the right people and structures in place, and the team is still developing as it's because it's a young team and we've dotted it with a bit of experience as well. Um and then on the women's side, you know, we finished second last year by a couple of points and you know, that's progressed on to the next level. So if you look at the teams each year each and year year out, there's been progression there. Um and I suppose in terms of promotion, like our our visibility and our brands has has, has continued to build upon that as well. And it's funny, like we look at our, our members this year, it's you know, it's it's grown, which is bizarre. Um, and that's that's because of the branding, that's because of the identity that we've been trying to build and the club ethos and the, the one club feeling that we have been trying to build. Um, so it just goes to show that, like, you know, even with difficulties on the pitch, um, and it's it's weird to say difficulties on the pitch because if you go back to, like, the third last game of the season, we had just won three in a row, two in a row, sorry, and uh, back-to-back games, and we, we looked safe. Everyone thought we were safe. And because it was just such a tight league because the league was cut in half. So instead of playing each other four times, you only played each other twice. And we finished a point behind Pats and Derry. 
you know, and that's mad. And we got relegated. <laughs> so it, it was just, and and it was also, it was also, there wasn't meant to be a playoff, but there was, and we, and and that's, and and and, and then it was, it was meant to be a two-legged playoff, but then it was a one-legged playoff, and it's, you know, it's just one of these things. Um, but having said that, the squad that we have for this year is, is really exciting, and, and if if things go well and <clears throat> we're back in, we will have, we'll have learned from that. Managers definitely learned from it, and we've definitely learned from it as a board. Um, but in terms of commercial opportunities and in terms of ten senses and memberships, that hall still exists in terms of the where the club is. That's amazing that you've boosted membership at a time when no one could go. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and just that element of it as well is 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 is. But I, I think you know you, you see it at other clubs as well. It's it's more so about building um the kind of the culture within the club and 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 making feel people feel a part of something. Um, so like we 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 totally re re rebranded the the usual season tickets this year to what we call now a membership, and within that you have your streaming, you have your podcast, you have, um, you know your your video analysis, your highlights, an exclusive T shirts, which make people feel way more a part of it. I have always uh, my my family's all Irish, and um, they used to take me to football games when I was when I was much younger. So. When I in the late nineties, early two thousands, the big teams for me were they were Shelburne, Bohemians, uh, Shamrock Rovers, and St Pat's. They were the the four teams that I'd always know. Uh, and I, so I was just looking now at the the teams in the first division. I'm just wondering who is like the big rivalry that Shelburne would have now because all of the the big teams that you'd usually have that you'd look for on the fixture list are, are in the Premier Division. Who who like who's the the team that you're you always look forward to now because I, I imagine as a big club that I, it, it must be slightly difficult to to get up for games against like Cove Ramblers or like it, it wouldn't be the same as it is against uh, St Pat's and the, as you alluded to earlier that's a similar problem that Leeds seem to face when they drop down into into League One. Yeah, that's it's a really good question. Um... Like I remember the last time we were in the first division, we played Bows in the, in a cup, and it was it was a really really good game, totally sold out, three two, banking game, um, and that was so you still have the cup element to it, and when you have the cup element to it and you get a draw, that's that's fine. In terms of the first division this year, it's really really bizarre and interesting because there's there's some clubs in there, uh, if you and I'll, I'll go outside of ourselves, um. Because I like we definitely feel like we should be a Premier Division club, but we're not, and that's that's the way it is. Um, Galway United, Cork City, um, should definitely be Premier Division clubs. Um, Cork City are the second biggest club in the country. There's no two ways about it in terms of their numbers of supporters, in terms of the size of the county, in terms of their history. Well, actually, they have no history. They're a new, a new entity. And we'd like to slag them over that. Cork is definitely a big one. Like when when we played Cork last year in the Premier Division, you know there was a bit of you know tension and stuff outside the game and that um when there was a crowd because we actually played them first game of the season and it was great we we beat them with a last minute winner and it was you know 4000 at it which is good um there was a bit of him and Han before the game and after the game and you know there, that 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 that's always been the thing um like we've played Cork a few times over the years and that's always nice nice rivalry Galway are it's a big city so you you definitely get up for those games cuz you know, and and this year they probably will be the kind of bigger rivals in terms of winning the league. Now, having said that, there's this kind of like you know, and you have to remember that after the 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 crash in two thousand six, we had numerous years because of the debt of it was the debt was about nine million euro around that kind of figure, where you know we were just happy to have a club and it was interesting in in that regard. And there was this kind of weird sick romance about going to Cove. 
they're going to like Mervy United back in the day, Kilkenny <laughs> City, you know. The um, great Kilkenny City. It was this kind of thing where it was like, you know, ah, this is our thing. And, you know, we just totally fell in love with that element of it. So there's a weird kind of sickly nature to like a lot of Shells fans now saying that actually they're better away days, you know. <laughs> well, I, sp- I suppose you're always going there as the Giants to be killed. Like they're they're looking forward to this game because you're the you're the big team. Yeah, look look outside of it, you know, we're just wherever we are, we enjoy ourselves, and you know it's you know whether it's going to Daily Mount or going to Rovers or going to Inchicore or you know. Um, and it's funny you say that, like, you know, the, like Dundalk are obviously one of the bigger clubs, you know, con- considering their recent success, but, like, we won't really consider that a big game because their history isn't as big as kind of Rovers or Bows or, 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 or Cork, you know, well, I keep on saying Cork's history. They don't, like, they, they, they've gone through numerous iterations of what the club is. But having said that, when things are not, and it's definitely worth saying that, like, when things are normal, like, it's, it's a totally different game, like, you know, because if you're going to Galway away, it's a great away day. Um, because Galway is a great city. It's a cool stadium. Um, we we ha- like we played there two years ago in twenty nineteen. It was the first game of the season, and it was absolute carnage. because uh, we were losing two 0 just ten minutes left or something, and we scored three times in the last ten minutes. It's pitch invasions. It was brilliant. It was you know just something that you 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 it doesn't matter who you're playing or what the division is. Uh, it's still distinctly Shelburne, you know. Gavin, your article is effectively about the redevelopment of Daly Mount Park and the potential movement of shells to co-share with them. What is the latest on that? Yeah, the, the latest uh, is essentially the the design of it will happen over the next year. It's, it's a hard one to talk on because, you know, we haven't really started communicating with fans properly yet. Um, and that's going to have to happen over the next kind of four or five years. But the, the, the latest is essentially that the design will happen for the next year or so um, with both clubs kind of being involved in that process. Um, and I think the current day for it is 2025. A million things could happen to delay that. Currently, that is the the, the, the plan. So balls will play in Taco Park for a couple of years. As soon as that's demolished and the design is in place around was 2022 to 2024-ish, you know, around that kind of time. And then 2025, we moved to redevelop uh, Daily Park, um, which, which would be, you know, a totally new entity. It'd be a, a great facility for North Dublin. But we can't really start communicating with fans until, you know, we see what it is and we can really kind of, you know, get them behind the project because it's, it's, it's hard to talk about something that doesn't necessarily visually exist yet. And we can't really com- communicate without kind of a joint kind of uh, communications with bows on it as well. It's, it obviously is the sensitive issue, so. What, what has, um, like, fan appetite been for, been like for that, like, from, from both sides? Because is obviously the it it's worked well in in Milan but and those two clubs uh, they still i suppose they still hate each other but the the stadium element worked fine like are are, are they happy with with the idea of sharing grounds well, on our side definitely not like but a part of that reason is because of the way it was communicated in the first place um with, with um and there's numerous reasons for that but you know, at the end of the day, group of supporters nearly sets fire to the stadium. <laughs> so the appetite is, is, is pretty bad. Yeah, that's not a good sign. And look, you have to remember as well, like, you know, I, the guy's got an extreme emotional connection to Talca Park. Like, I alluded to Paul earlier, Paul's ashes are, are, is spread on, on the ground and, you know, as is many other people's. And, 
it it takes uh, it's it's a process. We're gonna have to do that properly. Um, from the Bowser, it's 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 you know it's a it's a big win for them obviously because it's you know they've been there for a long time and. Um, but having said that, I have spoken to a couple of people on the Bohemian side who, you know, will be worried over it being because Dalyment in its current form is filled with kind of, you know, Bow's kind of identity stuff like you know the murals yes. and the history and 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 it's distinctly Dalyment Park, but when it's new, it's gonna look completely different and it's gonna it's gonna resemble you know a community stadium and that doesn't necessarily. Like a lot of people who fell for bows would have fallen for like the kind of that kind of cultural element of of the murals and the kind of the mash nights in the bar and that that probably won't exist to to the same extent. So, um, it's a process for bow clubs, but uh, as I said, it's kind of hard to kind of put comments on it without bows being here essentially because it 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 kind of anything that goes out is is generally a joint thing. Yeah, and with your position with Shelburne, but think it just as fans or like Tolka Park has huge history. Drumcondra FC would have played there before that or that whole area Drumcondra Shelburne been there since the 80s it it will be a huge loss to Ireland's footballing landscape if and when that happens um, and you've mentioned that there is opposition so that is a story that will have legs I think in your article you close your article when you said as ever with Irish football much will depend on exactly what unfolds between the time the bulldozers move in and the doors of the new stadium are opened whenever that may be that's a story that's replicated around Ireland with the Finn Harp Stadium and the current conversation about large-scale government investment what would be your, be your view on that Gavin with recent murmurings in the press are we finally going to see large-scale investment in the league of ireland i absolutely welcome uh large-scale investments if, if it's possible um because uh, like speaking as like an ireland fan because I, I i love following ireland i've been a season like a follower for ireland for years i want to see the game progress um so anything on that end open finn harris the poor Donny god has been left to dry you know I, I can't get my head around either up in dundalk whether and it's something that really frustrates me is, uh, like, it would be so amazing if just there was a joint stadium for Loud GAA and Dundalk. It would yeah. solve so many problems for them. Like, because uh, you talk about Dundalk being a great team or whatever, that stadium is awful. Like, it's really yeah. bad. And, like, you talk about Talker Park and Daymount, like, I love Talker Park. I would gladly be there for the rest of my life in its current state because I fucking love it. I, I love yeah. it and, and die by the, the the every little nook and cranny you would in the ground. It's got so much soul, it's got so much history. And it, it, if speaking on a very, very personal basis and, and without them nothing to do with the view of the club, Talker Park is amazing. I love it. And I I like I'm I'm there nearly daily and I saw a good tweet recently from Sid Lowe, he's the Guardian writer for, for La Liga. Um and it was just, you know, that moment where you walk up the steps into a stadium and you have an awe factor like and you still get that every single day i get that every day when i walk into talker because it just speaks of volumes of history and soul and moments and memories and i'd say people get that in daily as well um but you know i suppose if you're talking about kind of progressing the game facilities are very important for people who are kind of you know uh, wouldn't be as kind of hardcore supporters as as we are you know because we we'd be delighted to go to talk and they meant uh, in the current states but at the end of the day there's a lot of families who like facilities and all that kind of stuff so if you're talking about 
attracting a bigger audience and, and attracting players from outside leagues and stuff like that that's where you're you're you're, you're talking about infrastructure um in an ideal world you know that infrastructure is going to be there and, and built for 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 academies as well um like we've got a, a, we're developing a really good facility in the aol um and you know a bit a little bit of infrastructure investment you know you can see the development of players if you go back to say euro 2000 when germany had a bit of a crisis um and belgium had a bit of a crisis um around kind of succeeding at those tournaments and they, they had massive in, in investigations into why that happened and they built inf- academies in direct correlation with the football clubs within the Bundesliga and within the Belgian leagues and look at Belgium now and look at Germany yeah. winning the World Cup it, there's reasons why those things happened and the same thing happened in England but you can see that essentially with the facilities that are there now and well look at their team they look amazing so you hopefully you'd like to see that investment in, into the academies because then that's only how we, the Irish national team and the League of Ireland teams as a product of that can, can really succeed Do you have any sense that that is coming? You mentioned about the league launch today there does seem to be more focus on League of Ireland uh, you mentioned about your membership increasing Bohemians have in- increased their membership it does seem to have a higher profile do you feel that wholesale change coming in, in your position so close to it? The will is definitely there. And I, I will say the FAI have been impressive over the last few weeks with the streaming platforms, with the new people that have come in, with the appointment of Will Clark in the academy, um, with the appointment of Vera Pau again as the national team manager, uh, Alan Reynolds and Jim Crawford, uh, former Shells legend, you know, the 21s, Stephen Kenny with the national team. The appointments are right, the appointments are correct. Um, to a certain extent, and uh, even even with Johnson Hill, all the soundings from Johnson Hill as CEO, who's someone who has serious success with your ninety six as a commercial manager, fantastic, brilliant. So I'd be hopeful, but unfortunately, where does the money come from? Money comes from government side projects, and unfortunately, we have a huge culture of GEA and and I don't know if you're interested in rugby or not, but like at the end of the day. Football is up against serious, serious competition from every single country in the world. The GA competes in that sense itself. It doesn't need that much investment in it. The rugby, there's only so many countries that, that compete against each other. With football, it's, it needs serious, serious attention to, to help us grow because there's amazing ability within the country, amazing spirit, amazing talent. And if we can, if we can put the structures in place to do that, and but I do think the will is there from the football people, and it's about having the right football people in there, which it is, um, and it's just about getting the politicians on side because ultimately that's where the money is. So I was just wondering how you, on a personal level, balance that that sort of uh, dichotomy between wanting to retain all the history and the tradition and the soul of the club, as you said before, but also wanting to to progress and you want to invest in the future and you want to ensure that the club's there for a long time and that means bringing in the families. Like, is that difficult for you on a personal level? Because you've got this fan um, view as well, but you've also got the, the fact that you work for the club. So you're, you're potentially working towards one goal when perhaps your your heart is thinking one thing, but your brain's thinking something else. It's a great question um, because it's it's something that you, you do think about quite a lot. And, and something that I often come back to is I go back to, you know, bus journeys and train journeys on away days um, and the conversations that you have with the f- 
people that love the club most. There's a couple of people, iconic shells figures like Toshmore, there's the BD, there's Red Ink, uh, the independent uh, fanzine. You know, their views can be controversial. They, their views can be uh, wild and, and, and unsubstantiated at times. But at the end of the day, they are distinctly Shelbourne. They are distinctly old, traditional Dublin. And that's the way I view Shelbourne. I, that's the way I, I view it. You know, it's this club that was formed on Shelbourne Road in, 19, in 1895. Um, and it's about marrying, yeah, brilliant, the the modernism of, of out, out, outward vision in terms of the commercial side of it, in terms of the media side of it, in terms of, you know, bringing out the best kind of audio, the best visual representations. But at the end of the day, the heart behind all of those messaging is is what the fans think and, and, and what the core group of supporters really believe in because I, I, I really fell in love with the club in the darkest moments, bizarrely enough, because it was only the people that really loved the most that were around then. It's those people that um I tried to communicate for, essentially. And, and it's going to get complicated as we go into the, the ground share um, and we'll see what happens there. You know, at the end of the day, if you, if you were to ask me now what's going to happen with that, I suppose, you know, the official line is going to happen, but at the end of the day, we don't really know yet because the funding isn't there for it. So it's 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 a hard one to, to speak on. Um, but at the end of the day, all I can do and all we can do as a board and as a club is try to project the image of the club and project the identity of the club as the fans should see it um, because they're a bunch of head cases and that's the best thing about them <laughs> yeah. Gavin it's been brilliant to chat to you we just we talked about the uh, rollercoaster ride that Shelburne's been through in recent years the fans themselves and what's to come as I said it is a club that's also close to our hearts they are a giant of Irish football so we'll be watching what happens uh, with interest in, in the coming years I should say also of an article in our, our latest issue you mentioned you're an Irish fan that Actually, yourself and myself kind of co-wrote this piece on uh, Ireland versus Russia, three distinct games and distinct styles. So that's well worth checking out as well. But just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been brilliant to chat to you. Oh, brilliant. Uh, pleasure. And I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, Wednesday night here, a bit of Champions League tonight. You know? The Champions League last night was amazing. That, that's what I talk about. You know, the kind of local elements of it is amazing and the community elements is amazing. But... I watched Port of Uwe last night and it was dynamite. So, yeah, like, you know. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like sometimes that it's back to football in the park with no fans there. Like, you can see the passion on their faces. Exactly. You, can hear the, you can hear them shouting on the sidelines. They, these people genuinely do care about it regardless of how much they're being paid. Yeah, well, Stewie Byrne calls it the game we all love, isn't it? So We just love the game, that's it. Brilliant. Thanks, Gavin. And thanks to you as well, Joe. Brilliant. Yeah, cheers, guys. And that's it for the latest episode of the Home Gold podcast. Toggle back wherever you get your pods for previous editions. And don't forget, you can now pick up your copy of Issue 6 in-store at over 60 Eastons and Tuttles outlets around Ireland or online from pogmagold.bigcartel.com. Join us next time on the Pogmagold podcast.